This is Alex. And this is Mason. And this is The Overcompetitive Bystanders. And this is our show where we share our strong opinions about things we don't know anything about. One of us favors college, one of us favors NFL. Let's see how this goes. All right, so this week I kind of posed this theoretical to you or this topic to you of roster building and how you would go about building a roster and what positions you would focus on and which you would prioritize. Mm -hmm. And we both kind of agreed that this was an interesting topic that we wanted to talk about um, and had a lot of thoughts on. So um, I don't know quite where to start other than um, I I think about it kind of like two different ways. Um, The first one being if the NFL, if completely reset today, Every single player that's on a team contract is null and void and we have yep. a draft and you, I, I don't know how they would do it. They'd probably do it with some kind of like snake one to 32, 32 to one that you see in fantasy. Um, yep. I think they would have to do something to balance out. Cause like picking early in the first round when it's, an additional draft when you're drafting additional players where mm-hmm. your record is affecting where you draft. Like that's one mm-hmm. thing, but to draft completely new without like randomly those first mm-hmm. 10 to 15 teams are, I, in my mind way are going to get a lot better deal than those end last ones. But I guess mm-hmm. that being said, if there were to be, to be a draft like would you a hundred percent no matter where you're picking in that first round pick a quarterback or where do you start picking Aaron Donald um um I mean that's a good point um I I think I probably don't necessarily go quarterback in the late first round like how late? Um, like at, at- I don't know. That's the thing is, so once you get out of the top half of the quarterbacks, you know, you start getting to where, you know, let's say everybody else that's not a quarterback is still on the table, but you're down to the list of where now Jared Goff is the guy who's left. Is he? Would you pick Jared Goff over anyone else in the league that's not a quarterback? And I don't know if I would, because I feel like at that point you it's a you start getting diminishing returns on the quarterback, like waiting first round, like waiting until the second round to grab somebody it's going to be a really similar quarterback than what you would get in the first round in that late first round. Yeah. I mean, that um, that's how I play fantasy football. So I have a feeling I would do the same thing here where if I can't get like in fantasy, if I'm not getting Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers at a point where I consider it a value pick, then mm-hmm. I'm likely waiting to one of the last rounds, at least in like a eight man league or a 10 man league yeah. where, Derek Carr and Jameis Winston and maybe I got Dak Prescott last year in our league on the, in the last round, um, mm-hmm. like, 
and he was he was a he was a top ten at least in fantasy quarterback. I yeah. I I think he's probably also a top ten quarterback just in general last year, but I would really have to put the numbers into perspective to say that for sure. But yeah. I th- I think you're right. I think once you start to get to that point and and I'm taking I it's hard to for me to say I'm taking Jared Goff over Aaron Donald cuz that's really the choice for me. If I'm not picking a quarterback, I'm taking Aaron Donald if he's available. Mm-hmm. Right? Um Yeah. And we get up to like do you think Jimmy G is better than Jared Goff? I don't, but a lot of people do. I'm picking Aaron Donald over Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Cuz the whole once... idea that even if you don't take Jimmy G, maybe you fall into the second round and then you have to take, I don't know who else. I'm trying to think of a bottom of the bucket starter in the league. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Daniel Jones even is probably going to be maybe available. And I think he's got some promise. Baker Mayfield, depending on who's picking, might yeah. be available. Gardner Minshew. And then yeah, you start so to get into like the Sam Darnold, Jacoby Brissett, like Drew yeah. Locke may or me, may not be available. The I mean the second round he will be. Is yeah, it's the whole idea of getting value compared to what when you would be able to, to pull him. So it's the whole idea of like I think I would be pulling offensive linemen pretty quickly. I think I basically offensively I would pull a quarterback if it was an early quarterback and then pretty fast I'd start grabbing offensive linemen. Because so, I think if you have the best offensive line in the country, I don't care who your running back is, you're going to have a pretty decent running game and if even if your quarterback and your wide receivers are average, if your quarterback's got lots of time and your wide receivers have lots of time to get open, they'll look more impressive than if a quarterback's getting rushed. So, I mean, when when Todd Gurley in 2018 was considered, I think by most, the number one running back in the league. He was killing it in the run game. He was killing it in the pass game, averaging somewhere between, I don't know, I'd have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But you go back and look and... On average, like three and a half to five of those yards have nothing to do with Todd Gurley. We could have had me running out there, or yep. a, you know, a reasonably fast person. I'm not reasonably fast. Yeah, somebody, but who, somebody can who can run, run under to that opening can yeah. run a forty under five seconds. If you have a five second forty, you're getting at least three, probably five yards every carry, yep. and then anything more than that, you're getting further. So I, I, I think you're right. Uh, but so here's my thing. Are you going quarterback, assuming, let's let's say you're picking in the top 10. So you're going quarterback. Are you going left tackle, right tackle, and then going somewhere else? Are you going left tackle and then maybe going and getting a uh, pass rusher or, quarter, or, you know, a defensive back? Um, I think it definitely depends on who's on the table. Yeah. I think it really depends. I think my skill position would be last. Like the running back is the last thing I'm looking for. 
I, I, I agree there. Um, I'm not worried about running back. Like, unless you have fullback tr- on the table, but I don't think most people even really think about them in 2020. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. No, I'm not worried about that. Um, I look at, I probably look at tight end before I look at wide receiver, assuming that so it's I'm one assuming, of the top tight ends. Right. Like, you get yeah. those, anybody who's named Zach Ertz, Tracy Kel, Tracy. Travis Kelsey, yeah. you, you know, Rob Gronkowski. I put Tyler Higby in that list, but I'm a Rams homer. So I, I think, I think he will start getting top five talks if he performs like he did in 2019, but yeah, well, that's to be yeah. seen, but, but I somebody, mean, I, I just I get, like, I like the idea of getting a good tight end that, that perfect tight end, that mystery or fantasy tight end that can block well when you put them on the line but it's a good receiving option or, and even a check down that person you can go to on, on, yeah, you know, on third downs or, you know, even that first down just to get a few yards or that person. when you're in the red zone, you know, they're going to get open in the end zone. If you put it in a range that they can catch it nine times out of 10, they're going to come down with that ball. Yeah. That oversized tight end. Yeah. That's fast as can be that just miss creates a mismatch against a linebacker. Yeah. You know that if you put him out there, he's going to be bigger and faster than a linebacker, and is going to be able to grab it. Like, yeah, I really value that. Where I think there's top wide receivers that I think are are great, and you'd want to grab. But I think if I have a choice between a top five tight end and then average wide receivers, or a top five wide receiver and then an average tight end, and the rest of your wide receivers are average. I probably go with the tight end. See, I I agree because I think the difference between I don't know where you'd cut that number off, but the top five, six, maybe seven yeah. tight ends, the gap between them and the next group is so much bigger than the top five to X wide receivers yeah, compared to the exactly like you. Debo Samuel is likely not even top twenty on most people's lists. And he adds so much to your team and yep. you're going to, he's going to be available where if you don't get one of these tight ends, like it severely limits your offense. Yep. I think because having that 11 to 12 personnel where you have that tight end, who's either going to get, give you that extra push in the, the running game or mm-hmm. is going to be that every down like threat that people have to game plan for. That's mm-hmm. so much more than a, a wide receiver can ever generate. Like, yep. I mean, Robert Woods comes close to me because he's w- one of the best blocking wide receivers in the game. And yep. he has, I mean, he had two drops all of last year. Like, mm-hmm. I understand he's not the absolute fastest player. And there are players I would take above him. But in terms of that value on every down, I think Robert Woods is a top five wide receiver. Um, not as a, anyways, I'm going to, I digress. Yeah. So, yeah, no, so, that's good. So I, I, I think I agree with you where I'm, I'm definitely getting a top 10 quarterback if I can, maybe top 15, but I, yeah. I really look at like, at, at, after like I put that like Dak Prescott at 10 or 11, I like, I'm struggling if, 
as a GM, if you put me on the clock and Dak Prescott is the best quarterback that is available and then Aaron Donald is sitting there looking at me, I have yeah. a really time hard time saying I want Dak Prescott on my team because I think I think if you build I think if you build a really good team mm-hmm. having a quarterback that maybe is a a a, num- a number behind the rest isn't going to limit you as much as if I don't see you winning a championship without a top 10 offensive line. I don't no, think yeah. it's possible. It's necessary to, to have like, that, that skill on the offensive line. The only totally person agree. who's convinced me that that is somewhat possible is Russell Wilson. And he's a freak and one of the best players that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even then he struggles when he doesn't have a, a really good offensive line. Yep. Um, and he's had, and, he's and had the other a big few. thing with having an offensive line. Isn't just the idea of the playmaking that allows in that moment. But it's the idea of longevity of your actual of your skill players as well. Uh, it's right. your quarterback staying healthy. It's your running backs keeping going. Where not even just accounting for okay, they'll give you that extra three yards on a rush, but maybe they give you another year of your running back being at a top level because he's not as worn down. Yeah, and so yeah, I think I think offensive line, looking from a college perspective. If I was a college coach recruiting, I think offensive line would be my priority. I know that, you know, getting a a three star offensive lineman isn't a sexy recruit. It's not one that everybody looks at and says, Wow, that's awesome, because there's not the cool highlights. But if you tell me that I get a shot at a four star offensive lineman or a four star quarterback, I probably would lean for that offensive lineman, assuming that I feel like there's four other linemen next to him that'll fill out. Now, if it's just the one lineman, probably not. But if, if I'm putting linemen in general as an emphasis and I've got that strong offensive line, I don't care if I've got a two-star quarterback back there. He's going to have time to start making plays. And if he doesn't, I can throw a different two-star and see who can start doing something. Mm-hmm. Whereas with that full offensive line, you, I, I feel more confidence in it. Did you see that video a few weeks ago from Mark Schlereth about uh, skilled player positions and the real skilled player position as the offensive line? No, I didn't see that. I mean, I've heard, I've heard people talk about that, but so basically, what he says is is there's this the real skilled position player is the guy who can take a guy who's the same size as you, strength as you everything is about you and move him from point A to B where you come Mm -hmm. in and you physically move somebody who's as big as you who, and you just push them around. And that's what these top offensive linemen do. They make these grown men look like they're paperweights or at least, you know, not huge giants that are pushing other people over. Um, so I agree. I think, I think when you s- compare college to NFL, I think the one thing that I would say I think defense is a lot more important than the NFL. I don't think that's a discussion. I think that's a fact. Like I think I, it depends on what what college what conference you're talking. I okay. I I would, I, I would agree. I would I would agree if you're a college. SEC, it's equal. Okay, and 
SEC if or Big other 12, teams who are playing not. other teams who are playing for like college football playoffs who are these more complete teams. I think that's a but Oklahoma is a top team every year and their defense like I mean don't get me wrong was better this year. Yeah. But their their defense is usually a dumpster fire and they're just out shooting people. Yeah. I, I mean, would argue that it's because of the offenses in the Big 12 because they don't put as much emphasis on the defense, they put so much on the offense that it makes the defenses look worse. My point of of comparison is when you when you take well, eight years ago, we had it where we took two teams out of the Big 12 and had them join the SEC. Those two teams lit up the SEC. That was the that was when Texas A&M under Jan- Johnny Manziel yep. and Missouri had killer years. Yep, I remember. And it created an argument of was it really that the Big 12 defenses are that bad, or is it that the Big 12 offenses are that good? I mean, if that were true, would not these Big 12 teams be lighting up the teams like Clemson and LSU in the college football playoff? Whereas, I sometimes, I mean, but like, it, it comes into a question of, I mean, if if LSU is just the better team, then, I mean, I guess that's true. If if it just so happens that the SEC is just usually the better teams in these matchups, if you want to say that, then fine. Yeah. But I think, I think, I think to say that the defenses in the Big 12 is as good or on par with the defenses in the SEC. Oh, yeah, no, no. Okay, as long as you're not saying that, you're no, right. I'm just saying I mean, Michigan produces NFL-ready of, players on defense yeah. every single year. Yeah. Like the, the offenses of the Big 12 make the defenses of the Big 12 look worse than they actually are, I mean, is what I'm saying. Michigan's Big 10. But I, 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 I do agree with you. I I think there's some part of that where the defenses aren't as bad as they actually look because yeah. they they just have these high powered offenses. Texas went toe to toe with LSU this year. Exactly. Yeah. If their defense looked not as good as LSU's, but it looked like they would be they would have been fine in the SEC last year. Like I I wish really wish we could have seen like a Texas Alabama or a Texas Georgia. Because those would have been good games as well. Um, yep. But so so maybe I still argue the NFL defense is more important. I think. Oh yeah. And it's less so nowadays. I think, like back when like '85, the Chicago Bears defense won them a championship. We kind of saw the same thing, and I think it was 2015 with the Denver Broncos. Where, oh yeah, like, when, when Peyton, Peyton Manning was, was kind like, of carried to the championship, yeah, yeah, where he just wasn't good. Um, like we 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 saw that. I don't think we've seen that in college football. I mean, I don't watch enough college football, but I don't think we've seen that at least not recently, where a team's defense was so good that they carried. I would say that's what Bama has done consistently. Um. Even to the point of where once Bama got to a, that's what freaked people out was because it was like, well, Bama's always had the defense that beats everybody, and now they have a freaking quarterback that's amazing. Right. So I would argue that okay. Bama historically has done that. You're right. I, I think I think I just like to 
I just like to think that Alabama is just so much better than every, of every other team, which just hasn't been true the past yeah. few years. Um, where, but you're right. They their it defense. I mean, and they do have like they they produce a bunch of NFL. I mean, Alabama just produces NFL players. Like it, it's yep. a known fact that I I, I think. And it's it's crazy how they produce NFL players and then you forget that they had those. Like yeah. I saw one the other day of where uh, Kenyon Drake had a kick return for a touchdown in the 2016 college football championship. And that I was like, right. oh, yeah, I forgot he played there. And it was like because that's just the talent that they kick out. Yeah. Like you have these NFL running backs that you just forget about because they yeah. just were – good but not amazing they weren't heisman level so they aren't talked about that much and i mean i feel like they're usually the same way in the nfl where they're not these like top three top five running backs but Mm -hmm. those consistent running backs that are going to get you good yardage and gonna actually you know pass block and probably usually be at least somewhat of a threat in the running or the passing game as well yep like yeah, I think Alabama just gets because they produce so many players. It's hard to like pay attention to individual players sometimes. Yep. Whereas, like, obviously you're watching Tua, but when the whole team is good, who do you focus on on Alabama? Yep. And I, I think that tough. kind of was similar with LSU this year, where Justin Jefferson was probably oh yeah wide receiver three at LSU, maybe wide receiver yeah. two. And he's 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 my wide receiver that I would have taken if I was the Eagles. Like without a doubt, I wouldn't have taken Rager. I would have taken Justin Jefferson. I would have taken him over Rugs. I would have done CD. I would have taken Judy, mm-hmm. and then I've taken Lamb, and then I've taken Justin Jefferson. Okay. I know he's probably gonna end up just being, and I don't want to say just, but he's probably gonna end up being a slot wide receiver in the NFL, and that for some reason gets. Sh- like belittled, mm-hmm. but it's such an important part of NFL offenses today. And being a really, I think he's going to be an outstanding slot wide receiver yeah. that like just adds so much to the um, Vikings offense. So I, I, I do get that they wanted speed in Philly, but I think Justin Jefferson was the better overall player. Um, but, the point I was trying to make when I made that maybe too overstated that defense is more important than the NFL, but I still would argue that it is. Um, but I would say if I'm not getting a top like five offensive line, I'm probably also looking at a top, like a, obviously Aaron Donald's going to be my first player, right? <laughs> but freaks aside, I'm trying to take a top five offensive tackle if I can't get one, I'm looking either for an elite pass rusher, someone like Nick Bosa, or um, I don't know, yeah. um, or a shutdown corner, someone like a Jalen Ramsey or a Stephon Gilmore, where I can put them. Although they didn't really put Gilmore on an island, and we can talk about that on another another day. Mm-hmm. Gilmore always had a safety over top, which was why he could play that more. Aggressive. risky version where he tried he jumped more routes mm-hmm. um but to have a shut down corner where i can put them on 
the uh, opposing teams. Opposing number teams one with Barack Obama's bodyguards. You got it. The opposing team. <laughs> the opposing team's uh, number one receiver. And not have to, like, obviously, I don't expect them. You're not going to win every matchup or mm-hmm. every throw against a Julia. A, oh my gosh. A Julio Jones. Yeah. Good oh old Julia. Uh, right by Julian a, Edelman. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, but I agree with you that having. I, I, that That's where. That's where I'm looking. I'm looking for an offensive line that's going to buy me time in the passing game mm-hmm. and going to buy me a few yards in the running game. I'm looking for an elite pass rusher. Like I need a singular elite pass rusher, and then I'm going back to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm making sure that's stacked. Um, and then I, I want one really good shutdown corner, and then once I have probably both tackles and maybe a guard if, or a center if there's – one that I really want at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm probably also looking at that trustworthy safety that you can just put over top. Who's, who's like a Tyron Matthew or yep. maybe a McCordy where they're just gonna, they have the instincts to be where they need to be. No. Getting, getting um, Eric Whittle back there. So, so the, the, so the groups I'm going to be focusing on before I touch skill players mm-hmm. is, Obviously, the quarterback is priority number one. Yep. Like I might not be spending that first pick on them, but they're priority number one. Mm-hmm. Priority number two is the offensive line. Priority three, if I'm going by group, I'm going secondary mm-hmm. and then defensive line, but I'm probably going an elite pass rusher before I go a safety. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then, but... I really only need that one pass rusher before I'm going offensive line and before I'm getting that secondary to a, as good as I can get. Mm-hmm. Then I'm probably going back to the defensive line. Then I'm looking at whoever's left on the skill players. Yeah. I might I might say looking at getting a, a middle linebacker, kind of one of those field general guys to help lead the defense fairly early. Um, it, I, it depends. I think it's as you're kind of where you were saying, go back to the defensive line. I think at that That's point, true. maybe I'd is probably grab a, a linebacker. Pro- I'm probably looking for that. You're right. If I can get one of those middle linebackers that just solidifies the middle of that defense who can play coverage and who can play the run, I can say, okay, your responsibility in the past game is you're going to watch Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. If you can, if I can find a linebacker like that, at that point, if I can get like a Luke Keekley who I know is just gonna be in the right place yep. every play, or a Bobby I'm Wagner, gonna take him. Yep, I'm or Bobby Wagner, absolutely. By the way, in that Rams, so I told you about that stellar hour and a half video oh, about yeah. the draft of the Rams. Um, Lash Snead talked about the the bit learning mistakes the hard way, and one of the biggest mistakes he made was in 2012, his first draft, he really wanted Bobby Wagner, but he got an offer to trade back, and he thought that Bobby Wagner would fall back the 10 or 15 spots he went back, and somebody took Bobby Wagner before then. 
And so one takeaway, Bobby Wagner could have been a Ram, which <laughs> would have been amazing. Yeah. But we would have kept him for four years and then he went, went somewhere else. So, you know, but also the idea of like, if you want a player and you know that player is going to add to your, your team, just pick him. Don't don't get cute and trade back and get the extra pick. If, if he's somebody you want and need on your team, just pick him. Yep. Um, so that was cool. Um, also got me super hyped about basically every single one of the Rams picks. And, That's good. Um, yeah, because I know you weren't again, super happy at the time. Yeah, so... I still don't think I like w- I would have made the same picks that they did in a lot of them, mm-hmm. but the the third round was amazing. Getting both Terrell Lewis and Terrell Burgess in the third round, bar none, like best round I think for the Rams, mm-hmm. um, unless Cam Akers is just way better than I'm picturing he's going to be. I think he's going to be good, mm-hmm. but um, that third round's looking good. I'm really hyped about, um, oh no, is it Clayton Thompson? Is that his name? The We picked up a linebacker out of Baylor. Um, he had a torn ACL, so he fell, but he's super hyped, and he's just a ball hawk and like just really good tackler. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hyped about him, especially because our linebackers are like Micah Kaiser and Troy Reader, I think, mm-hmm. right now, and... Okay. I mean, just not names that are somebody that gets me excited about the position. So I'm hoping he can step in. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan Fuller in the six is probably just going to be a special teams player, but he was a huge leader at Ohio State. So, and a decent player. Like, I just, he's a little, at least. I I I I just don't know, especially with the safety room we have now, mm-hmm. if he's gonna get much of a shot and if he's gonna how well he's actually gonna be. But he's a really good player for Ohio State, so maybe. Okay. Um. But anyways, I again I probably wouldn't have picked the picks they would have picked. But going back, I'm looking at all the picks. Almost every single one of our actual picks has a chance of playing. Mm-hmm. And like getting serious starting time. That's good. Like if Terrell Lewis is healthy, he's probably starting. Terrell Burgess is probably starting, if only at the nickel back. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Akers and Van Jefferson are definitely starting. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't think his last name is Thompson. I'm. I feel really bad for getting his name. Could if he's as good as the scouts think he could be. Mm-hmm. He could like contribute starting this year for a linebacker. Um, Like uh, we got the kicker who's going to start or he's going to be competing to start. And so I went back. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of, I think it's Sam Samson or something ridiculous like that. Mm -hmm. Um, He wasn't as popular as Rodrigo was, but his stats were much better or not maybe much better, but they were better than Rodrigo's. I think he's a more efficient kicker and a better kicker, but he went to Miami, Miami at Ohio. So this is smaller. And I mean, Rodrigo is just such an easy way to like with the glasses and everything playing for Georgia, very public. Yeah, he was, he was pretty. Oh, so Sam Salman, Salman. 
Sloman. Yeah. Sloman, that's it. That's Sloman. Sloman. Um, we also got the top XFL kicker and CFL kickers on our oh. team. So, I mean, it should be an actual yeah. dogfight. Like, I yeah. really wish that we were actually having a regular season this year. And if we had Hard Knocks as well to, like, highlight this kicking competition, that would be pretty cool, too. But sweet. Um, doesn't look like that's going to be a thing this year. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I'm really optimistic about the Rams because let's go back to who, 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 who we went to. Yes, I'm probably not picking Jared Goff in the first round, mm-hmm. but – he has shown, especially you go back to that 2018 season, he led the Rams and I think outplayed Mahomes on that Monday night game and set like record numbers on that Monday night football game. Mm-hmm. He also set the record for passing yards and touchdowns on the Thursday night in 2018. Like mm-hmm. he was pretty dang good in 2018 when we had that top five offensive line. Mm-hmm. So the question is, can our offensive line step it up? In those last games, like week 13 to 17, the offensive line played really well for the most part. Mm-hmm. They did really, really well against San Francisco, who probably had the number one defensive line this year. They, mm-hmm. there's the Our offensive line is the reason that San Francisco had to kick a game-winning field goal as time expired at the end of the game to win that game and solidify it the first overall seed in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Like I people are so ready to write off the Rams and I know they lost quite a few of those defensive players. But I think they got better offensively and that offensive line if it can stay healthy with Kim Akers instead of Todd Gurley offensively is going to be more high powered. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get closer back to that 2018 season. And then I think our defense is going to surprise people. So people are ready to write them off. I do think we're kind of in like a mini rebuild year where we're looking at next year at being like our, when we're going to start looking for like an actual championship run. I don't think that's reasonable this season. I do think they can, especially with the, ex- the extra amount of playoff spites with the um, new agreement they're probably going to be a playoff team. They're probably going to be fighting for that second spot. Maybe the first part in the NFC West, but probably not. Let's be honest. San Francisco is just really good. I think they're limited by Jimmy G to probably never beating Kansas City or Baltimore in a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but they'll probably be making a fight. Be competitors, to go yeah. They're a playoff team, um, but. Yeah. Yeah. I am also looking for the Packers to be really good this year. Um, yeah, I think the Packers will be good. I don't think the Packers will be Super Bowl level, but I do think they'll be competitors in the playoffs. What makes you think they won't be Super Bowl competitors? I just know that the the complaint, and it was why people were mad when they drafted Jordan, that their wide receiver, there's weapons, but they're not top level. They're not. It's not good enough skill position guys to be competitors and as i look at it i think there's a lot of good wide receivers but i do think there's a level missing are we ignoring the fact that Devonte adams is top five wide receiver in the I, league yeah when he's healthy i think it's like Devonte adams is is up there but i think 
There's Lamar Jackson's best wide receiver is Willie Sneed. Yeah. That's Are you really going to bitch and moan because you have um, Devontae Adams? And then Vasquez-Scandling is pretty good. Yeah. I think he's had a little bit of drop I think issues. that's the thing is I think Adams is really good. But then outside of that, there's a drop-off to where I think the Packers will be good. I just don't expect Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. I don't know, man. They have Aaron Rodgers, who I know is getting up there in age, but he's still damn good. Yeah. They have Aaron Jones, and they added A.J. Dillon, so you know they'll be good running the ball. They have a really good offensive line. Mm -hmm. They have – let me pull up – I. I was looking at the roster because you sent me their roster and which actually prompted this prompted this whole discussion. Yeah. whole podcast and discussion. So they have Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, which are probably going to be a top safety group next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're missing an elite cornerback, like a shutdown cornerback, but Jerry Alexander and Kevin King are both good. Yep. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith are great as your edge rushers. Tristan Kirksky, who's supposed to be their t- top wide receiver, little bit to ask for, but manageable. Mm-hmm. Their, their kicker and punter are probably, although Mason Crosby had, I, I can't say that about Crosby anymore. But J.K. Scott is one of the best punters in the league, mm-hmm. even though no one cares about that. The one thing I will say is they are missing a tight end. I I uh, think Sternberger is going to start showing up. I like Sternberger a lot. I'll, I'll believe it when I say it. They did also pick Josiah De, DeGuerra. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I, I'm not like I'm not saying... He's going to be great, but if they did draft the tight end, I think the fact that they didn't draft a wide receiver is a little weird until you see, oh, they already have Devonte Adams and Devin Funches. Mm-hmm. And and then at that number three, like Alan Lazard had some really good games last year. Like, yes, He's not a wide receiver one, and like I'm not delusional, but as a no, you're wide receiver, as a wide receiver three, three, yeah. Come on, man! Like, don't throw a fit because they didn't want to. I mean, I'm not. Who the are one you picking at thirty? I'm not. No, the no, one no, no, no. Doing... I'm not. I'm not yelling at you. I want to be clear. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at all of these. All the people that got pissed that they drafted Packers Jordan. fans. Are you mad? You have Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah. Because this is what they did with Aaron Rodgers. You had. Brett Favre. Yeah. And they drafted Aaron Rodgers with at the end of the first round if I Yeah, it was, it was like the 24th pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers fell farther than he thought and depending on who you talk to, Jordan Love went early or late depending. Yeah. Jordan I Jordan think most people about where I expected. Yeah, I think most people would say the 26th pick for Jordan Love is a value pick. Yeah. I mean, you might not say like Oh, that's the best pick at twenty six, but you can at least say like he's worth a twenty six pick for most. Yeah. No, most it teams. wasn't. It wasn't some like, shocker that that he went at twenty six. But it's not a reach. Was, I mean, the only player left that that I I thought, okay, this is a 
absolutely got to have a player was Patrick Queen. And you're right. If I'm the, the Packers, I'm po- probably picking Patrick Queen over Jordan Love here, looking at their linebacker core, looking at what they, I think, would really solidify their defense. But if you're looking at Aaron Rodgers in one, you see this guy who isn't willing to change, is probably getting towards the end of his career, and you probably don't want to pay him again. Like he's they're paying him so much yep. for he had some bad games last year. Like you just gotta say, I watched some bad games last year. That game against the Bears was ugly. And I realize the Bears defense is really good. I get that. But some other quarterbacks didn't look as bad as Aaron Rodgers did against the Bears defense, and it wasn't even cold yet. So you can't claim that. Like I I get that you you pro you wouldn't have picked Jordan Love here. It's the same thing I have with the Eagles. You're right. If the Rams had picked Jalen Hurts with the fifty second overall pick, which was one pick before the Eagles picked him, I would have been mad. But as an outsider looking in, looking at that 53rd pick, Jalen Hurts is a value pick. Wentz has had season-ending injuries where you've had to rely on a backup. Jalen Hurts has backed up before and been super humble about it. Plus, you might be able to put him in your offense even with Wentz playing, like throw him into, let's call it the the Taysom Hill role that everybody seems to be looking for now. Um, This is the new new thing you need in your offense. Like... Mm -hmm. It's a good enough pick when you look at the rest of their draft and they answered the questions they had. I think that's the one thing the Packers fans, like if they had picked a wide receiver later, like if you pick a wide receiver instead of AJ Dillon, which I think they should have done. um, But I think maybe they're looking at it and thinking who's left on the board at wide receiver. Yes. um, Daniels people Jones, I think was slept on. Um, I think he's going to, he's going to show people up. Um, but there was really, I don't know. Like I, I didn't really like the Packers draft that much, but to say that they absolutely needed to draft a wide receiver is like saying the LA Rams absolutely needed to draft offensive line. It's like, you look at the, the Rams and they already have eight linemen on their roster. And yes, one of those players is named Demby and he probably shouldn't be on an NFL roster right now, <laughs> but they have eight players of which, Five players to seven players looked like they could be starting level players or at least strong backups and played games for you last year. Like, I think what the Packers are saying with their wide receiver core is what the Rams are saying with their offensive line. Mm-hmm. We want the, we believe we have the players we need. We just need to get them playing to the level they, sh- they need to be playing. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think Andrew Whitworth is getting old and we're probably not going to pay him or want to pay him $10 million next year. So I, I think drafting a left tackle this year would probably be a good idea, especially mm-hmm. since we know we're also not going to get a first round pick next year. So we're not going to be picking a first-round offensive tackle next year where you absolutely know you can throw them in starting game one and they're going to be able to play. So mm-hmm. I really wish we had maybe in the later rounds, the fourth pick, you know, the sixth pick, pick an offensive t- a left tackle that could go behind Andrew Withers because I really don't think we have a strong 
he's going to replace Whitworth when he retires. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Whitworth is playing three years. I know his contract is for three years. I just think he's getting too old that that's a position that deteriorates fast. And yeah. that's the one thing I would say about the offensive line. But for 2020, Andrew Whitworth as your left tackle is more than more than adequate. I, I there was an and my thing is is unless you're gonna spend the second round pick, which they clearly thought the one thing they were missing on offense was a running back, which we really saw last year as although our offensive line issues contributed to that. Um I think they really thought nobody we're gonna we can draft is really gonna pass these guys on our depth chart. So why not so why draft them? I think that's kind of the thought process there. Mm-hmm. So um the the point I'm trying to get to is the Rams have a decent enough quarterback that I think we could win a Super Bowl. I think that's all you need at the quarterback level. I think Jared Goff could win a Super Bowl. He could have I think if Cooper Cup is in that game against the Patriots and mm-hmm. Todd Gurley looked like Todd Gurley looked at the beginning of the season, we beat the Patriots. I 100% believe them. But we we played outstanding defense in that game. Our offense just couldn't get it done. And part of that was on Jared Goff, I think, being young and our offensive line starting to deteriorate and a bunch of excuses you can make. But Jared Goff could have won a Super Bowl. It it that that he's at least good enough to get you to a Super Bowl, which is better than better than required, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so the real question is the offensive line. We have Aaron Donald, who's the best pass rusher in the game. Like you have to game plan for Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. And he's still gonna get pressures. Um we have Jalen Ramsey, who's that shut-down corner. We have John Johnson III, who I know doesn't get talked about enough, but is is a safety I trust over top. He's one of the best safeties in the league who's mm-hmm. not getting talked about. And Taylor Rapp had a very good rookie season. Um, I think he had a few issues in coverage where he was matched up one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that was ever his strong suit. He was more of that box safety who's going to give you a lot in the run game and then also be able to play zone mm-hmm. or play over top somebody. Um, and then we have some of the – we have really good tight end in Tyler Higby who has gotten really good at blocking and really good at receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, plus we have Greg Everett behind him and Bryson Hopkins behind him who – probably doesn't contribute as much this year, but next year when Gerald Everett becomes a free agent and probably doesn't get re-signed, I think he becomes that tight end too. Um, But what I'm trying to say here is the Rams might not have the the best players at every position, although I would say that they have the best defensive linemen and probably the best overall player in Aaron Donald. Um, and then Jalen Ramsey, who I'm not a hundred percent sure is the best cornerback in the league, but he's at least in that discussion. He's at least, yeah. Um, 
And then their defense, other than that, is young but promising. So, I again, I don't think they're a Super Bowl threat this year. I don't think they're going to be making a deep playoff run, but I do think they'll be, you know, probably like a wild card team. And I do think the next year we're looking primed to make another run. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of getting back to just in general and not the Rams, um, which, 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 like, would you rather have an elite pass rusher or would you rather have just like a shutdown corner or a, a good second? Like, are you prior, you're prioritizing, I'm guessing a secondary over a defensive line. <laughs> Um, I mean, if, again, if we're going top five, top five, like for each, I'd uh-huh. probably lean with the pass, ru- pass rusher simply because that pass rusher can also affect the running game more. And so, and, and it is a small That's thing, true. but in elite defender, like an elite corner can kind of be schemed out, you know? If if you have the best corner in the world, and he's shutting down their best wide receiver, well, that sucks. But he can also go to the other like your quarterback can just go to the other side of the field, and just play away from him. And that that goes to show how great he is. And it puts your other players on test, and you can maybe cheat a little bit and have it be where they have more help. But if you have a great rusher. And he's affecting the running game, and he's getting to the quarterback, and he's—I I feel like he can—he can put more impact on the game. And they can't scheme him out. They can't do as much to say we're not going to let Aaron Donald affect the game as much I as mean, so, affecting Jalen Ramsey. So let let's pretend for a second that you didn't luck out and get the best player that's playing the game right now in Aaron Donald, and you get more. And let's say Nick Bose is off the board too, because I I think he adds that like elite level. But let's fall down to like a Robert Quinn, Dante Fowl. I guess they're not top five, so that that that's yeah. I can't say those ones were. But even like that bottom of the top five, I'm saying like top three pass rusher. I think I agree with you. Mm -hmm. But but after that. Double teams can severely limit true. pass rusher. Granted, most pass rushers are coming from the outside, and it can be kind of hard to double team those players. But at the same time, eh, I think they're still well. And it's the whole idea that all right, if you if you want to double team my defensive end, I'll still be sending six guys your way or five guys your way. So right, but I mean, so now I've got holes to to go through, and and I should be able to handle it. So and yeah, again, and, and whereas I, if I, you're I, isolating a corner and you're not thrown to that corner, yeah, I now know that you're thrown to that side, but I can't then. I don't now ha- now have a mismatch in the number of people covering my corner's still yeah. just covering one guy. But I think I I mean. I think it's different in college football because wide receiver is, I mean, it's truth in the NFL as well, but I think like a top five wide receiver, I don't know, like it's shutting down a Devonta Adams and limiting them to a 
Marquis Scandling or whatever. You know, like these yeah. players that I don't know. I think forcing a quarterback, especially unless they're an elite quarterback, forcing a quarterback to have to stay in the pocket and look at somewhere else. Like you, unless you're a team like the Chiefs or even the Rams who have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Tyler Higby, who are these like three threats that you can't shut down. You can't just have one corner and shut down the Rams offense mm-hmm. because yes, you can shut down Cooper Cup, but you can't shut down Robert Woods and Tyler Higby. But you jump to maybe the Baltimore Ravens and you shut down Mark Andrews you're going to make Lamar Jackson work a lot harder if he has to rely on Willie Sneed and whoever not the hell is number two at Baltimore. Cause is it Marquise Brown? I guess Holly. Yeah, it's Marquise Brown. Um, but I just, he's, he's fast and he's made some plays, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think for when you start talking Super Bowl team, you need an elite receiver. You need some kind of elite skill player. Like I think it's far less important than the rest of the team, but I think it becomes I don't, maybe need I don't know. is a strong I think, word, but I think, I think you think, need elite like an elite receiver in the, just because you need a target. I don't think it necessarily has to be an actual elite receiver it just has to be somebody whose numbers look elite and who's drawing attention from corners in that same sense now what i mean by that is if your offensive line and your quarterback are doing well enough they can make an okay corner an okay wide receiver look a lot better they can make him look great when he's okay they can make an a, a a really good one look elite um and so, yeah, I agree. And it depends on who you're playing. The idea that a corner can can really shut, uh, like change the game. But I still think it's the idea that if you have one corner that's doing well, I don't think one strong corner has the same impact as one strong uh, pass rusher can have. So I guess I guess that's why... I, you're right. I am probably taking my elite pass rusher first, unless for some reason the top five pass rushers are off the board, and I and the top five cornerbacks are still on the board. Yeah. Whatever. But I, that's why I'm picking one pass rusher. I might have, before I take the third or fourth secondary player, I might take another pass rusher because I think having that second threat you don't need a top five pass rusher but you need someone like a dante fowler a clay matthews Mm -hmm. uh preston smith somebody who's going to take advantage of them at more heavily focusing on this elite pass rusher who's drawing the double teams or at least they have to in pass protection put in the running back on that side so if the tackle gets beat Mm -hmm. he has help whatever this other player who's going to take advantage of that least pass rusher who's going to also be threatening the quarterback. If, because if 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 they can shut down your elite pass rusher, and your other pass rusher can't take advantage of it, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't they can matter. just they can just put as much resources they need on that elite pass rusher. Yeah. So, but 
in terms of where I'm focusing, I'm going to focus on getting that secondary being elite before I make sure that defensive line is elite. I'm going to make sure I have one, two pass rushers who are going to affect the game. And then, honestly, stopping the run, the the Chiefs, every year we hear about how they can't stop the run and they're still in the Super Bowl. Like, mm-hmm. they're still winning games. Like, stopping the run does help, especially if you can stop on third down, mm-hmm. third and short, fourth and short especially. Mm-hmm. But I think stopping the pass has become such so much more important where I'm going to have that elite secondary before I start focusing on that interior of the line not named Aaron Donald. Yeah. Because I agree they're that. less important. I think I think your nose tackle is it becomes important especially in certain schemes. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather have I'd honestly rather have a middle linebacker who can play in coverage than like an elite linebacker at that point before I take an elite nose tackle, I think. Yeah, I agree. My my thing with nose tackles is if they're big enough and strong enough, I'm not too worried about it. You know? Right. And, he and doesn't have to be amazing. He doesn't have to be great at getting through. But if he can just clog it up for a while, that's yeah. all we need. That that that's right. a that's enough. Assuming that there's other playmakers around, can he play his gap? Can he? Is he not gonna get pushed around except for by the elite elite players? Yep. Good enough. Good enough there. Whereas, if if you have, I think you're right. If you only have this one shut down corner, and then the the rest of your secondary is subpar, who cares? Yep. They're just gonna go to the other side of the field, or they're. That he's gonna and the one player who's against the corner is gonna start doing double moves and mm-hmm. do whatever he can because if you burn that cornerback, he's probably going for a touchdown if the rest of your secondary isn't mm-hmm. ready to, to to help. So not only does your cornerback have to be your shut the shut down cornerback have to be playing every single play, yep. which is just impossible against some of these top wide receivers. Yep. I the way I look at it, I I think about back when uh, Jalen Davis was at Utah State, and how okay. he had one of the best uh, passer ratings when targeted of anybody in in college football that year, but right. he was only getting targeted once or twice a game. Nobody wanted to test his side of the field. It was right. he had one of the lowest times that he was being targeted. He had a great passer rating. He led the country in defensive touchdowns and an interception. You know, he was doing all this, but it reached a point where okay, you just you, tell you... him, you say, "Yep, let's go to the other side." And the other yeah. corners weren't horrible, but he's not able to help in the same way. But they're they're not that elite player, yep. and and your second and third wide receiver are gonna be able to match up usually. Unless you're the fucking Ravens secondary, something like this, where you've managed to get elite players in the safety groups and your cornerbacks, where you have Marcus Peters, who can be a a shutdown corner, Mm -hmm. as long as he has a safety and knows how to play with Marcus Peters. Yep. Like, and it, and it, 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 if the scheme fits Marcus Peters, and I think he does, and the Ravens, and yeah, and then you have. Earl Thomas in the at the safety group. You have right back there with his Marlon brothers. Humphrey, who's yeah Marlon Humphrey, who 
who would be the best, like a you didn't quarterback get my joke, one did in you? a bunch. No, I didn't. Um, I don't. I don't think I really. You said Earl Thomas back there, and I said, "Yeah, he's right back there with his brothers." Oh yeah. I think my favorite Earl Thomas joke is the best game of all year is when the Ravens travel to Philadelphia because Earl Thomas will go into the state of brotherly love. Oh yeah, that's gonna be great. That's that's, oh, that's that gonna be my wonderful. favorite joke so far. Um, but. Um, and then Marlon Humphrey, like I was trying to say, is is also a top cornerback. Where you are, your your passing game is limited against a Ravens secondary. Where yes, if you're the Chiefs, you're still going to be moving the ball, but they're going to be they're going to they're going to have to play you differently. And your cornerback on any given play can make a play and change the game. Mm-hmm. A pick six can be a 14-point swing and completely change a game. Mm-hmm. Like, it, we've seen it happen so many times. Um, when the Bears were pl- playing the playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky, who was just a god-awful quarterback, mm-hmm. but they were there because they had Eddie Jackson who was picking off the ball every other time he was targeted and they were forcing so many turnovers where mm-hmm. when you get the ball at the 30 yard line, it's hard to not put points on the board. Yeah. When you're scoring the most points on defense, your offense can be limited and only be, and you can still scheme plays to get even Mitch Trubisky to put you in a point to win the game. Yep. If your defense is, Forcing this many plays. Yep, I agree. Um, uh, did you want to talk Patriots. about the uh, college football and coronavirus situation? Yes, let, let let's definitely talk about that as well because that is super interesting. Um, yeah, and I with the stuff coming of... out today as well, some of yes. it breaking as we've been recording this. Oh, really? Um. So, just for a little bit of backstory. We understand that the NCA has said if students are not on campus in the fall, college football cannot take place. Okay. Um, so that has put a pretty clear bar of what needs to be happening. Uh, the other thing that is important is the idea that uh, coaches have said pretty universally that about six to eight weeks before they are expected to play a game, they need to start camp. If camp gets delayed, it will be delayed. Generally, they've agreed eight weeks after they're able to start practicing. Which um, I think is important. Yeah, you have all I, of, I not only all of these new players that are new to your program that you've recruited, same in the NFL, right? You mm-hmm. have all these new players that you drafted and picked out of free agency that you have to get accustomed to your system, but also these returning players who, even though they know your system, haven't been really playing for at least six months. Like they've probably been working out and they've probably been playing in their free time, but not to the level of what you're going to be playing in college football. Yep, Yep. exactly. Um, And so those have kind of been, so that leaves generally people agree July 1st, is when practices when students need to be able to practice 
and then the fall semester classes need to be held on campus. Um, so the SEC pretty universally has said classes are going to be held on campus. That's what we're planning on, uh, which I think is the right way to go about it right now because it's still three months out. And so we don't know what could possibly be the situation. But the idea that I have is if you aren't preparing to have classes in person right now, you won't be having classes in person. Right. Plain and simple. You can switch to online if you have to. You can't switch to in-person if that opportunity arises. Yeah. Um, so I think the SEC and most of the, the big schools are, are going about it right. But today, um, the LA County announced that they are extending the stay-at-home order for three more months. Um, so that would mean, and I don't have a great understanding of where things are in Southern California, but I would assume that means UCLA and USC will not be able to practice, assuming that they are in LA County. Um, they, are. they will not be able to practice in July. They won't be able to start practicing until the end of August, which means that if they need those eight weeks, they can't start playing until October. Right. I I don't know if you saw the California one of the, the Cal major State system. Cal State system announced yep, that was another they will not about. be returning for the fall. Which means yep. any football team that plays for one of those teams which is not It's not Pac twelve. Yeah, it's but, not Pac twelve or anything. So it's Fresno but, State, San Diego State, and San Jose State. None of those teams will be playing. You can, unless well, things change. So the thing is, the Cal State system, they they said what they're going to do is they're going to have classes primarily online, but they will have uh, in-person classes where necessary. And so there was a theory that if you have enough of saying like, yeah, like labs are in person and a couple classes are in person – um, that might be enough to fill the NCAA's requirement that like it's safe for students to be on campus. Because the big reason that the NCAA is putting this rule in place is that if students aren't allowed on campus, but student athletes are allowed on campus, then that means student athletes aren't athletes; they're employees. Right. Um, but if students are allowed on campus, then student athletes are included in that. So this is still them trying to protect the nature of who is an athlete, who is a student, who is an employee. Um, so some people wonder if with the Cal State system, if that means for sure that they won't be able to play. But the Mountain West in um, put out a statement 30 minutes ago with the uh, with Fresno State, San Diego State, and San Jose State saying certainly all conversations are led by academics as well as public health and safety within that framework more determinations are necessary all three institutions will work closely with the mountain west no decisions on athletics have been made so i think it's a very bad sign when in when in may you're having to put out a statement saying we haven't canceled football season yeah if you're doing that in may that's a bad sign 
That's a bad, bad sign. Because, like I said with the SEC, the SEC is saying, we're planning on moving forward. Yep. Maybe things rise up. But if in May you're saying, okay, right now we're we're not quite sure, that's a that's you're not gonna make it. I um, think it would take a major change on our on what the current climate is between now and July first for mm-hmm. them to, to play. Yeah. That'd um, be a, a major would, swing. We're talking like Getting close to a vaccine, which I think pretty sure is uh, unlikely with no, the timetable of actually like approving early. those, um, yeah. and, ter- and especially just testing. But um, yeah. or there becomes more weight to this. It's not as deadly as it's been reported. If if that gets played up more than possibly but i think the current climate is yeah moving towards it have to be a situation where the i mean there's too many factors in it that the state of california would have to give an okay to remove a a lot of the protections the the school system the mountain west the ncaa right now there's so many different things that are saying either no or maybe not that for all of them to turn around and say yes makes it where I don't think I don't think these Cal schools are going to play. No. Um, Colin Cowherd also tweeted out, and I've heard this report through multiple different places that the USC Alabama game that's supposed to happen in Jerry World is not going to happen. It's as good as canceled. I think um, with because even if we play, I think but basically everybody is thinking. That it's going to be interdivision or interconference play, yep. so you limit the exposure of the athletes um, yep. to a single conference. Yep, um, and it allows for scheduling to be shifted around much easier. That's, I mean, that as well um, yep. is an important part. But with that being the, if I think if football happens, that's going to how it it's going to happen. It have to be, yep. um, unless there is a complete and utter major shift before july 1st which i don't foresee and and realistically it'd have to be prettier it'd have to be quite a bit earlier because for example utah state right now the players are going to return to campus and are going to start uh getting to logan in the middle of june that's the plan middle of june they need to be in camp in logan getting to campus starting to work out and then July is when they really start to work out as a team with unofficial workouts. And then August is when they have camp. Right. Um, if this is pushed back any further, you know, it's gonna start digging in. Now I think the PAC 12 is the conference that is in the most trouble here. You uh-huh. have a lot of California, a lot of Oregon, a lot of Washington schools. Yep. And, and so those... if those three states say no, now half your conference is gone. Um, even the Mountain West would still – like losing those three schools out of California would be a big hit. But it's a third of your con- – or it's a fourth of your conference, not half. Um. I think what what I think is going to happen. I'm going to start getting into uh well, 
I know I think I feel. That's what it, Stephen Godfrey always always yeah. rules it this way. I know I think I feel. Um, I feel like what's going to happen is California schools are not going to play. Everyone else, I don't think they're going to play at all. I agree. I don't think. Um, we've... I think the SEC is going to play an SEC only schedule. I think the Big Ten and the Big Twelve are going to play it conference only. I think the ACC is going to play conference only. Um, I think Rutgers is not going to play. In and let's say I, I'm calling Notre Dame an ACC team. I think you are yes, too. Notre Dame is an ACC team, 100. percent Yep. I think Notre Dame joins an ACC schedule. Um, and it works out fine. I don't think there's really going to be any concerns there. Yeah. Um, I think the Mountain West and what's remaining of the Pac-12 have a deal. Um, Interesting. I don't know how it'll work because I, I, I mean, if you're – so let's say you're Utah and half your conference has now shut down. You now have five opponents – um, BYU will probably still be on the schedule because I don't think BYU is going anywhere. I mean, um, who, who's gonna? Nobody's adding BYU to their out of nobody's adding their BYU conference schedule. schedule. Yeah. No. So unless they're Army or one of these other yep. independent schools, they're not playing yep. BYU. I think BYU is going to play a primarily Mountain West independent schedule. Um, they and might I, even. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they got shut out of the mountain. I think that's less likely if this Mountain West Pac-12 like fusion happens. I think BYU probably gets in there. But if Mountain West plays a Mountain West only schedule, I think BYU gets held out of that because unless they're not going to play the independent games. Yep, I I agree with that. If if it is if the Mountain West, let's say California, let's say all the conferences are playing. But everybody switches to conference only. I think BYU is left in the in the dirt everywhere. Playing home and home uh, with Army with and Army, UMass, UConn, um, Liberty, and New Mexico State. Yep. They would have ten games. I think they're really hoping they get Notre Dame, but there's home. no way Notre Dame's playing nope. an independent schedule when they can play an ACC schedule, and I don't yep. see why they wouldn't play an ACC schedule. For both, but for both sides, I don't think I don't see why Notre Dame would rather play the independent. I don't see why ACC would rather play without Notre Dame, because yep, I agree. Once people start realizing that Clemson's really the only good team in the conference, it becomes less fun when at least you have Notre Dame at the top. And I mean, yep. who, Virginia, I guess. Making yeah, it. I also think it would be pretty cool if Notre Dame won a conference championship while being independent. That would be super cool. I think that'd be incredibly awesome. Yeah, that if would. They, if they turned around and did that, like every single top ten craziest things to have college happen in college football would include would include that. Yeah, I think it'd be amazing. Um, there has been some discussion about where the independents would kind of be shifted off to, uh-huh. where BYU would then join the Mountain West, um, Notre Dame would join the ACC, UConn and Army would join the American. Um, and then Liberty and uh, New Mexico State would join the Sun Belt, and uh, UMass would join the MAC. 
Okay. Which I could see. I could see that happening. Um, I think those teams, I think those independent teams would have to be willing to sacrifice, which I think some of those smaller ones would do it just fine. Keep in mind, New Mexico State got kicked out of the Sun Belt. Right. They would go back today if they had a shot. Right. They've been told no. So assuming that the, the, the conference says yes, New Mexico State would take it. Absolutely. Um, I think Army would be willing to make concessions. Uh, UConn probably would with the American. It just gets weird because they just broke up with the American. Right. So then to turn around and be like, yeah, so our first year that we were supposed to be on our own, yeah, we need to be with you guys again. We'll, yeah. we'll be on our own next year. Might get weird, but I think it could work out, assuming that they didn't burn bridges. Um, I think BYU is the one that I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, see it well. They've, BYU they've, would have to be willing to turn to the to the Mountain West and say, "Here's revenue sharing. Here's we're all getting an equal part of the pie." Um, all these things that they've said they'll never do again. Exactly. Yeah, I don't see BYU agreeing to it. Um, Which, to be fair, I think it would be hilarious if all of these other independent teams join these other conferences and then it's just BYU doesn't get to play because they just have no one else to play. They have no one to play with. Yeah. Because nobody wants them in their conference other than Mountain West and they won't, they're so stubborn. They won't play in the Mountain West. Cause I've seen uh, BYU fans that have talked about, well, let's try and make a deal with the big 12 or with the PAC 12, but I don't see that happening. Um, It depends. If the big, I'll say this. I, I, I see that one as I see, I see that less likely. The only reason I say Pac-12 could be likely is with California, Oregon, and Washington. All if they all don't play, mm-hmm. I I don't think I think the Pac-12 is would be looking for another good team and I can see that. BYU yeah. is 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 good enough. I mean Utah might yeah. veto it though. So, yeah. Well. But the, at but that the fact, point, I don't know how much power Utah's yeah, veto you're has. Right. You're right. I, I I agree with you, but but yeah, I think I, at I that point, the Mountain West Conference fusion is also equally likely, mm-hmm. and I don't see, I don't know that the Pac-12 and Mountain West fuse, and they're still willing to work with BYU on their stipulations. I agree. And it'd be uh, the same issue. One of the things that I, the reason I see the Big 12 being a little bit more likely than the Pac 12, assuming that this is again saying all the schools are playing because, yeah, once conferences start blowing up, it gets all hell breaks yeah, loose. Right. Um, the Big 12 has 10 teams. So that means you're only giving nine, nine games to each team. Unless you start doing home and home. So adding BYU and turning to all the teams and saying, we just got everyone a 10th game. A 10th game that the good teams can, can add another win to their win column. But BYU is just. They're good, good enough, enough to have respect on their name, yeah, just but they're not going to be good enough to, to be a major challenge. Yeah. To yeah. say, we're, we're having zero conference play 
out of conference play, that top 25 becomes a lot more interesting. And I think we actually see a lot more SEC bias in that situation than we do now. Um, But you're right. I think that is a possibility if with that exact situation. Yeah. But yeah, I think... I think the likelihood of the Pac-12 blowing up is higher than the yeah. Big 12 saying, "Hey BYU, we'll take you in." Like I'm I'm at the like 80 to 85% that California teams will not play and yep. I think at least one of Oregon and Washington will also not play. I could see maybe one of those, but even then very unlikely. I think they probably both also don't play as well. Yep. Um, um one of the things that maybe I, I don't know, this might be an unintended consequence that I would be a fan of. And I understand why things are the way they are, but I'd love it if they changed. If college football changes the way they schedule, where it's not, we're scheduling 10 years in advance like we currently do, yeah. but where it's more like college basketball, where, yes, yeah, some of the stuff you schedule pretty far in advance, but about half of the non-conference schedule every year for college basketball is decided in the off-season. Right, which w- I, I think would be, be a lot better. Because then yeah. you get, I think at that point, one, Clemson no longer has this excuse of why they're not playing good out-of-conference yep. games. Because you can't yep. say, oh, well, we scheduled them years ago. What do you want us to do? It's yep. like, you guys had the option of scheduling any team in the off-season. And you chose... Sunbelt in Mountain West and yep. these you chose other. it this way exactly Vandy teams like come on yep. man but yep. that's exactly I th- it I, that I would totally be a agree. great unintended consequence I would very much enjoy that because then it really does allow for everybody I mean it, you take the UCFs of the world yeah. that they have an undefeated season the next year they're also looking strong they can turn to everybody and say hey we'll play anybody let's do it right now yeah. And there's not the argument of, oh, our schedule's full. Because, yeah, if I'm Bama, yeah, sure, I'll call up UCF and say, yeah, I'll play in 10 years. Because chances are UCF's going to fall back to the pits and you're still going to be great. Yep. And so then you, yeah, you faced them and you you did all this. But if you really put it where, yeah, in January of each year, you're deciding who you're going to play. And, yeah, you have a conference. Like, for example, let's put Utah State. Uh-huh. Utah State has four non-conference games every year. We already know that we're going to play BYU. Yep. We already have scheduled that we're going to play an FCS game against Weber State. We have two other games up for grabs. I don't know if this year would be a year that we would pick Wazoo and Washington because it's a rebuilding year. Maybe we pick Wazoo. Maybe we still schedule them. But maybe instead of Washington we go across the country and we play Eastern Michigan. Yeah. A winnable game, but not a, a gimme game. And so for both teams for both teams. Yeah. There's value in it for both teams. Like, um, the, and it allows you, for a little bit more cross contamination where now you actually understand, okay, so this good of mountain West team against this good of Mac team, this is how they compare. Okay, now when that Mountain West team plays BYU, okay, how does that compare? So that gives us a good measuring stick there, and that gives us that measuring stick. Yeah. It, 
we want cross contamination, and it's going to make it so that this year's top twenty-five is going to be ugly. As long as teams are still willing to schedule teams that are a threat, like if you're, as long as the teams like Alabama are willing to put Oklahoma or Ohio State or Michigan or one of these teams that are actually good in their out-of-conference games, yes, that'll be exciting. And probably I would say the SEC or those teams specifically are probably still less likely to make those games. Yeah, because their, their schedules are already tough. They don't they don't need the other ones to strengthen their strength of schedule. Yeah. But teams like, one, if Clemson wants to stop bitching about people are sleeping on us and we're undefeated and people are trying to keep us out of the playoff, schedule cool. one really schedule good. Somebody out-of-conference game that yep. that isn't Notre Dame. Yep. Schedule one. Schedule Texas A&M that's supposed to have a good year next year. Schedule... Well, you, you do know that they... they play, I do know that I do know play that they Texas play. Texas A&M, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do know, but... but they no, were I just agree. the one team that came to mind because I think Texas A&M, at least from the Texas A&M fans I've talked to, mm-hmm. think that Texas A&M is going to be a, more of a threat next year. Um, or Texas next year, where they're actually supposed to be pretty good with Sam Ellinger. Well, Texas is back every year. It's just yeah, a question but of what they're back. I to. think I think this past year they proved that they might not be back back, but they held their own against LSU and Florida, I believe, as well. I might be I making that one up. Florida. I might have been looking at a different team that played Florida. Did Texas play? Oh, the, Texas played. No, that's a different one. Did that they, was I mean, they played Oklahoma. Game. I know that's not an out-of-conference game, but they played Oklahoma I well. 2019 games. That's not the schedule I wanted. Yeah, it pulled out their 2018 schedule. Um. Yeah, their non-conference was Louisiana Tech, LSU, and Rice, and then Utah. Was I thinking of maybe I was thinking of Miami that played Florida well maybe. for some reason? Because um, I was looking at Miami with getting Derek, the Eric King, um, mm-hmm. seeing like where I actually project them next year. Um, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I think their their schedule is pretty easy. I mean, their hardest game is probably I... like Michigan State or Florida State. Yeah, I think I think Miami's going to do fairly decent next year. But yeah, so I think the scheduling next year is going to or this year with uh, uh, yeah, I guess I'm looking at a theoretical is schedule that's going to be really really interesting. I think yeah. it's um, it, I think things are going to be goofy this year. It's just a question of how. Um, can, can, can we just? How amazing would it be if we could have Alabama play a home and home with like LSU and Georgia? Like I realize that's not going to happen with as many teams, but let's say like a couple of those bottom teams, like maybe Vanderbilt decides, you know what? We're just not gonna, we're just not going to play. We're not going to take the beating. Yeah. We, we've had enough. We're going to take a year off um, where maybe some of these bottom teams who, uh, still don't get that many football sales think okay we're not going to force our t- school open yeah. to where maybe f- they do have that one extra game wh- or 
where they either have to play like eight games or nine, like eight games, I think is where it would have to be seven mm-hmm. or eight games where they start thinking about these home and homes. Yeah. Uh, and and there's probably the not pack, LSU. problem with the SEC is it's too big. There's 14 teams in the SEC. You'd, you'd have to get rid of five of them before you even start thinking that home and home could be You're an right. option. Um, I forget there's 14. I was thinking there was 12. Yeah. There's, so it'll, and the other thing is that a lot of the complaints with the SEC is that their cross divisional play, they play a team once every eight years. Right. And so, so they're not going to do a home and home instead of a cross divisional game. They haven't played in. Seven yeah. Years. It, this could be a good opportunity to say instead of once every eight years you'll play Georgia, yeah, you're going to play him again this year, yeah. which would be what people want. So, yeah. I mean, if I, you told an SEC fan you're going to play 12 SEC games, yeah, they're going to talk about how hard it is and how it's going to beat up the team, but that would be a pretty awesome schedule. Yeah. And it'd be like, sweet to see Bama have to play – through a, a played Florida and Georgia and LSU and Texas A and M and um, you get I mean Tennessee Alabama is and, somehow going to get to play every bottom team and only have to play yeah. either LSU or Georgia or but I still think even then there's no way they're not playing at least a few between those top teams you just. Mm-hmm. listed like they might not yep. be playing every single one of them but you're gonna get at least three or four of alabama lsu alabama georgia alabama mm-hmm. um florida or texas a&m like you yeah. just can't avoid these good teams anymore nope i Especially think it'd be, this it'd be pretty cross cool. divisional games I, like we're gonna really see where each team is at in the sec this year yep but yeah so i think the pac-12 is the conference that has the most to lose partly because they're one of the weakest conferences anyway, right now. I love it because I've seen BYU fans say that they think that the PAC 12 will blow up after all of this. And that this is the end of the PAC 12. It's not the end of the PAC 12. Even if they don't play football this year, I don't think it's the end of the PAC 12. I think the PAC 12 will suffer. I think they will be in a bad spot, but no one's going anywhere. If USC had anywhere to go, they would have already gone. If I, Washington, I, Washington. Has oh, they think there's going to be a mass. They're going to. They think there's going to be like a mass exodus of Pac-12 teams. Well, they think the the general story is that Colorado and Arizona or Arizona State will jump to the Big Ten, so and like then sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth best team in the division, and then USC be. and UCLA will go independent, um, um, or will join the Big Twelve. I mean, one of the stories that I've heard, and this one I think, this this measurement carries the most weight, is Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA, and USC joining the Big Twelve. That's a lot of teams. Well, but they're only a ten right now. That that would only be oh, that's That's true. That's fourteen. So that's the same size as the Big Ten and the SEC. It's so weird that the Big Ten has 14 teams and the Big yeah. 12 has 10 teams. Yeah. It's and so, so I think it would be an interesting layout, but I don't I don't see it happening. Yeah. Like, it's it's the type is, of situation. Is the Big 12 really fighting to to have 14 teams? Like, I mean, I think, I think they'd like it. 
I think the SEC team. I think the SEC wish it wishes they had about ten or twelve teams. I wish. I think they. I think they cut probably Missouri and Vanderbilt, um, and South Carolina. Yeah, and they wouldn't want to cut Kentucky because they bring basketball success. Vanderbilt brings the baseball success though. So, and in the South, that does bring in a lot of money. That's true. Um. I'm not sure who else they'd want to cut. Maybe Mississippi State. Mississippi State was the team that was in my head of like maybe, but I think Mississippi State every year has like one or two games where we're like maybe they're getting starting to get to the point where they're a threat in the SEC, and then the rest of the year they're just just like either yeah. There's not there's not enough. I mean, the SEC is pretty full of teams that are that have value. There's not really many that. I I think get. I think my problem is I just don't pay attention to other sports, so mm-hmm. I like. I mean, Kentucky for basketball is an obvious one, but I don't think of Vanderbilt in baseball or, and I think. I think if I was Ooh, Arkansas, a, Arkansas is who they'd probably Arkansas, kick. definitely. Um, yeah, because. I don't. I don't know of any sport that Arkansas has thread in, and I mean football is supposed to be Arkansas' thing. Yeah, but, and they haven't. And been it's a with thing Jerry's yet. money. With, with with Jerry's money is how they're supposed to do it. But it's been a while. So I I don't know. I think fourteen. I think twelve is is probably the number I want. If I was a if I was a conference, I'd want twelve. Yeah. I think I'd rather have five divisional, too. and then you alternate. Your non-conference games. Yeah, I would or probably your, your cross-divisional games. Yeah, I'd probably if I was if I had to choose between like cutting like Mississippi State and maybe Vanderbilt and one of these other teams and going to ten teams, or adding those or adding back in Arkansas and um, I don't know who's that who's that other team that I would. 100% cut. I don't know. Maybe 14 is good for them. I What I actually think more conferences should do is go to 16. Um, and then it's the whole idea that, yeah, you're... So then you play seven divisional games, and then you play one cross-divisional that just... It's going to take a while to rotate through everybody. But then it makes it so that way your conference championship game has a little bit more respect on it. Um, and then well, I think with that, it leads into each of the conference champions then go to the playoff guaranteed. Like if you could tell me you have six conferences, each with 18 and eat, and then the winner of each conference championship then goes on to a six team playoff where the top two get a buy the bottom four play each other NFL wildcard edition move up. I think that would be the ideal system. Get rid of rankings, get rid of any other crap that could potentially put human error into it and just say, win your division, win your conference, you're in the playoff. Yep. I, Go have fun. I think, I think you're getting pretty close to ideal. Like at that point with college football, I think the problem with 16 teams which isn't always the worst teams. Like, I don't enjoy watching Alabama play even Vanderbilt or Arkansas where it's just like 
this isn't going to be a competitive game. Yeah. But I think also if you're going to have 16 teams and have these teams playing the playoffs, you have to have some games that are maybe not like a hundred percent gimme games, but they're, we're not going to have to play LSU oh, yeah. every week. Like I think in terms oh, yeah. of college like, football, having a few just not dumpster teams, but not to the same level as the rest of the teams. Yeah. I like, mean, I like the idea of where you, you basically add from the other FBS, the lower FBS conferences. So for example, the PAC 12, they add your Boise state and yeah. probably your BYU as well. But also then they add like your Utah state and your Colorado state, or they I mean, add your Fresno state San Diego state and San they... Diego state. Um, they, they grab some of those a little bit higher that, yeah, they're not, they're not teams that are going to be top of the conference every year, but they're not, nothing and then for the sec um it probably would dilute a little bit more where maybe texas a&m goes back to the big 12 or something like that but then you move up your uh your faus and your south floridas and your ucfs to where they're in there now and yeah they're not going to be competing with alabama every year and every team still gets their uh their fcs game but yeah but and you but I think with these teams, like, yes, they're probably not going to be competitive every year. But I think every once in a while, a Boise State or Utah State yeah. is going to have a team where they're going to be they're going to be beating these top teams. They might yep. not be the top team in the conference, but mm-hmm. they're going to be beating these play teams and they're going to be a threat. And especially if they can recruit with the idea of telling somebody you're going to be on that team that does this. Yeah. You're going to be the team that upsets a Washington, a USC, a yep. Bama or Georgia. We're probably not going to win the conference every year. We're probably not going to win the conference any year, yep. but you're going to be in a game in prime time or maybe not prime time, but you're going to be on a game on Saturday against Bama or LSU or Georgia and have a chance to win these games. And if you win a game against Alabama and you're the best player on your team, that's probably better than being the third best Alabama player. Yeah. Or maybe not exactly with Alabama specifically, but any other team like the third best Georgia player is not going to get as much respect as if you were the top Texas. Ah. I'm trying to think of a team that's actually like relevant this year, but let's say Texas A&M hasn't been good for a few years. I, I think they would have to be worse recently than they've been to, to be this team we're talking about. But this Boise State team that isn't the best team every year, but this year you're gonna be you're gonna be playing against these top teams and be winning these game have a possibility of winning a game and getting people to know your name. I think that could draw yep. teams, players to these teams. Yep. And I mean, look at, I, I just say, look at Chucky Keaton. Yeah. Chucky almost beat Auburn, almost beat uh, Wisconsin, got all this attention. It was great. And then People got... still know his name in the college football subreddit when you bring up Utah State. 
had he yeah. been a middle of the road Tennessee quarterback or Texas A and M quarterback, yeah. is there really is he remembered? No, eight years later as much. Like, no. Yeah. And so 100%. I think that's that's the way you recruit with that idea. Um, but yeah, so that's probably that's probably pretty good for me today. Yeah, that this has been a long one. So if you were one of the the peop the few people that actually listened to this whole thing, we appreciate you. And you know, if you feel like sharing the podcast with friends, family, um, this is I don't think we're going to do too many more podcasts before football actually starts to start. Like we'll probably do some preseason ones like we did last year. I, I don't know that I'm going to go quite as far as I did last year with the NFL with picking every single team and going through every single team. I think I'll pick, um, or at least, I mean, I might tell you what I think the conference, like the, 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 the standings are going to be, but I'm not like last year I went yeah, through you, every you single like team yeah. and who I thought they picked up and who I thought like, and why I thought they had a chance of, or where, why I thought they were going to be that. I'm probably not going to spend more than I'm not probably not going to spend any time talking about the chargers or the Raiders or these teams that have a chance of going nine and seven, maybe still that 10th win, but they're not going to be, a threat in the playoffs. I'm probably yeah. not going to spend much time talking about them where I think I'm going to spend more time on who I think is going to win and why I think these are going to be championship teams this year. Yeah. Um, so look that. forward to that. Um, yeah, that's right. Idea. So yeah, we'll get that eventually. It, it won't be for a while because why do a preview if there's not a season? So we'll see where things are at as we come around. But. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Um, you know, we really appreciate our, our loyal fans and hope we can build a little Just bit bigger of a fan base this next year. Do a little um, bit more of it. Yep. So thanks for listening and we'll see you at the beginning of the season or if we get the urge before then. Okay. See you guys. See ya.